What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John Toaster and J-Rob here, and we've got a lot to talk about today. This probably the craziest NFL offseason ever, I would imagine, uh, based on the the last couple weeks. And uh, the last week in and of itself has just really shifted the way apparently teams are thinking about um, roster management. So you've got Deshaun Watson to the Browns. We'll lead off with that. We've got Devontae Adams to the Raiders. You've got Tyreek Hill to Miami, which kind of came out of left field for me anyway. And now Matt Ryan is on his way to Indy. So we'll start with Deshaun Watson, who was looking at the, initially anyway, the Browns, the Saints, the Falcons, and who else am I missing? Panthers. 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 There we go. I forgot them last time we talked about that too. <laughs> um, initially ruled the Browns out. And apparently they weren't out of it because he came back around. He had a no trade clause. He approved a trade to them. Um, the If you're looking for reasons why, it's because the Browns agreed to give him a $230 million fully guaranteed contract that has only a $1 million base salary in year one, meaning when he does get suspended for his transgressions, um, he's only losing a portion, assuming he doesn't get a full year because he won't, it's the NFL, um, he'll only lose a portion of that $1 million. So he's saving so much of his money from um, essentially being taken away from the legal situation. Uh, Totally, like just morally super fucked up and wrong if you're the Browns. But they did what they needed to do. They gave up a shit ton of picks and Deshaun Watson's on the Browns. So I guess my question to you guys, was this a good move for Cleveland given everything that's a part of it, the guaranteed money, the picks that they gave up and the position that they're in with Baker now. Uh, What's ironic to me is that they finally drafted a QB that had somewhat semblance of success and they couldn't even keep them for now four years. Um, (laughs) That's, that's my favorite part. Uh, Absolutely. They made the right move. This is a guy who's been an MVP contention. You're in a very difficult uh, division and then an even more difficult conference. The only way you get to that next level is by having one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And um, I mean, Deshaun Watson and Colin Kaepernick played the same amount of snaps last year. So maybe, you know, we don't know how good he is anymore, but assuming he gets back to his uh, 2020 self, uh, he's right up there in the upper echelon and you've got to make this move. Yeah. I mean, I think, Ultimately, and as much as we want to hand ring on the morality aspect of this, I think we all understand what it is, right? It's about wins and losses and, you know, legal system be damned, whatever. Um, The Browns have been desperate for a quarterback, even with Baker's modest success. They've desperate to upgrade at that position given how talented the overall roster is and how much maybe they perceive Baker is holding them back. So it, it it's always the right move. You're never going to lose a trade for a star quarterback. I, I mean, we talked about it with Russell Wilson um, 
you know, it, you can get into the details of the draft picks and what they mean and blah, 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 blah. You're never going to lose a trade when you're acquiring a star quarterback. So, yes, I, I think I agree with you. I think it was the right move for Cleveland. Um, but now they've got the Baker situation. So he's due $18 million guaranteed. Um, what do we think is going to happen there? I think you've got to get a read from the league as to whether or not Watson's going to miss any time this year. Um, I know Cleveland's shopping him now, but should they get any inkling that they're going to be out Deshaun Watson from 6-8 to 6-17 games? Sorry, still still tough to get. Um, then you look at Baker, you say this is the best you can do for your trade value right now is play your ass off. And it's a win for Watson as well, because that means his team can stay in playoff contention um, while he's serving the suspension. So I say they feel out the league, see how what's going to be coming from a, uh, how the league's going to treat Watson, see whether or not he's going to be suspended. And right now, Baker Mayfield's value really doesn't provide that much to you this year versus next year. In, in the draft if Watson's suspended, right? Would you rather have a first round draft pick this year and no and no make Baker Mayfield for six to eight games during Watson's suspension? Or would you rather have a first round or maybe a second round next year and him as your bridge quarterback until Watson's ready to play? I don't get the sense that Baker is going to play for them anymore. I think he's pretty much like, fuck you guys. So if that's your plan to have Baker play six games until Deshaun Watson comes back, I think Baker will give them the finger and sit at home or at the stadium, I guess, is his home as far as I know. <laughs> so he'll sit there and record a couple more progressive commercials. Um, Josh, as an Ohioan, um, what do you think about this whole situation? Have you been in touch with anybody, uh, any of your friends that are Browns fans to gauge their thoughts? Or Baker Mayfield himself. <laughs> uh, it seems like Baker's taken a vote of silence. I'm really, I'm surprised I haven't heard anything about like how he's feeling about the whole situation. Obviously he's not going to be happy about it. Well, since his Instagram post. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, since everything like has really, really gone down, he hasn't said much. Um, a lot of Browns fans are on the fence about whether or not they can stay being a fan because like the morale side of things. And for me, it's not surprising. Well, one, I understand people having a hard time, but it's not surprising that he's not going to get the heavy. Like He will get less of a suspension than Calvin Ridley did because the NFL doesn't give a fuck about your personal problems, but they care about you fucking with their money. And so in their eyes, this is the NFL. Like this is a personal problem for Watson because it's going through the league, you know, it's going through the due diligence of the legal system, even though yeah. being in like not getting an indictment doesn't necessarily mean you're not guilty yeah. or anything like that. Doesn't mean you didn't do it. It exactly. just means in the eyes of the legal system. Yeah. Exactly. They can't prove it. Yeah. Or like they can't yeah. they won't want to press charges on it. And so I think a lot of fans are having moral issues. And where I find like irony in it is I think a lot of them are taking these strong stances about like, I'm going to find a different team. I'm going to leave. And I'm like, let me know when you guys are 12 and uh, like 12 and five or like 13 and four. And I think you're going to be a Browns fan again. I was going to so, say, you put through all that shit for so long. And now when they finally <laughs> win a game, exactly. you're like, I'm, I'm yeah. going to find someone else. There's yeah, no, so, yeah. yeah. So I think some people on the fence are kind of doing it because it's, 
I think the spotlight's on Browns fans and some people feel the need to like make a decision when in reality, who you root for is who you root for and you don't have to like the person on the team. But if you root for the team, like no one's going to judge you for being a Browns fan. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but I do think once games start being won, teams are going to uh, fans are going to start coming back in tenfolds. Mm -hmm. So they're yeah. still going to be wearing paper bags over their head out of shame, yeah. but now they'll be winning it, at least. Well, so nobody <laughs> exactly. can know that they are active. Yeah, they're like going to tweet <laughs> about how they're never watching the Browns again, and they'll just show up to the yep. field with the bag on their face, and so no one can prove <laughs> it otherwise. Yeah, yep. and the field goal um, post that they'll move will be like, "Well, I was a fan way before Watson, so like it doesn't really matter. Right. I was here first, and then that's probably how it'll get like marginalized, right. like justified." I don't, so. I root for the rest of the team. I don't root for him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't root for our best player on the field, but man, right. I do love our Browns. Yeah. yeah. So Toaster, you made a joke about um, essentially we haven't seen Watson play in a year. We don't know if he's good anymore, but is, is there a scenario? Is there a non-zero chance that this does blow up in the Browns face? I do. I ultimately do think that um, just because Watson's uh, a lot of Watson's numbers have come from having to play from behind the entire time, right? We haven't really seen him. I guess there was a couple of playoff pushes, but he also had Hopkins on his team at that point. Yeah. Uh, I think from a Kyler Murray standpoint, we've seen as a big, uh, big catalyst to success. Um, also I, a huge collapse, right? Against right. Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't say, say there's a non-zero chance, but I do think that he is a top five talent and you make this move regardless because guess what? You had to make a decision on Baker Mayfield essentially this year anyways, right? Yeah. You looked at how hard it is to find this talent in the draft. You've got a talented enough roster that you don't think you're going to be picking at the bottom or top of the draft, whichever way you want to look at it. This is your best move for now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, the... I can't separate myself from all the stuff with Watson. I just can't. But, yeah. um, you know, from a pure football standpoint, I, I obviously understand the move. And I, I credit the Browns for taking a swing. I, I don't like what they did ultimately, but it's like that's they did what they needed to do. That so. contract structuring felt greasy. Like that felt yeah, that felt gross. greasy. That that part is that part does definitely put a sticker crawl that says, "Okay, we're yeah. basically giving guaranteeing this guy this much money, and yeah. no matter what the league does, it's not being taken away." Right? I mean, what's yeah. the hit right now? It's like sixty two thousand dollars a game or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's nothing to him. Yeah. Like, uh, anyway. All right. Well, let's move on to a couple, uh, maybe even more surprising than the Watson thing, because we sort of knew that was coming to some degree. Um, Devontae Adams to the Raiders and Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. Uh, both separate trades, by the way. Just want to throw that out. Well, not yeah, a three, separate trades. four team trade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, separate trades. Uh, both players immediately became the highest paid receivers ever. Following the trade, Tyree Kill now holds that crown. Um, which of these moves surprised you the most? Tyree Kill came as the biggest surprise to me, only because there was no reason to ultimately move on from him this year. Devontae Adams was on playing on the franchise tag, and he well wasn't playing on the franchise tag, right? The right. there was 
the contract structure to which he had agreed to with the Green Bay Packers, which always leaves you in a realm where he may not play for your team again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the the picks that they got back also like I, I know it didn't it seemed out of left field, but if you're these two teams, this draft is supposed to be super deep at receiver. And if you can replace one of these guys, you're not going to replace them. Let's just, you know, be upfront about that. But if you can replace a good chunk of their production with somebody making a fraction of the cost and sort of rebuild on the fly in a way, I, I get where the Packers and uh, the Chiefs are coming from, from that standpoint. It just felt strange, both of them separately, because for the Packers side of it, you have you went through all this bullshit with Aaron Rodgers and you make him, you know, this super the highest paid per annual average annual value guy ever. And he made such a stink about not doing enough. Right. And then all of a sudden you trade away his shiniest toy, which strikes me as he, you know, was either aware of it. And um, I, I'm shocked that he would sign off on that or, you know, it struck him by surprise, which would be a dumb move from the Packers standpoint. But from the Kansas City side, we've seen this crazy arms race over the last two weeks in the AFC West to load up to essentially challenge them. Right. The Chargers have made all these moves. The Broncos obviously getting Russell Wilson and the Raiders uh, a few days prior go out and get Devontae Adams, and they've made a bunch of moves, signing Chandler Jones, all this stuff. So it felt weird to see the team that all of these other teams are gearing up to take down essentially take away a, a pretty large piece of their team. Um, so that's what surprised me about it. But I think ultimately, like, the moves, um, I, I can understand, like, from a forward-thinking standpoint for both of these teams why they were the right moves at some point. Maybe not right now, but for them at some point. Um, obviously there's the Derek Carr, Devonte Adams connection from their Fresno state days, but with Tyreek Hill in Miami is Tua going to be able to get the value out of him to make this contract and this trade worth it. I, I mean, I think I'm just gonna, I'll go to mute and let toaster take the floor with Tua here. For for our longtime listeners, um, I had said last year that Jalen Waddle was potentially the worst thing that they could have done for their franchise because it hides all of Tua's ineptitudes. And now they basically have somebody that they can throw out Waddle on one side, Tyreek Hill on the other side, and you can't get double coverage over both of them on a quick screen. I just see his yards per attempt plummeting. Um, well, sorry, his air yards per attempt plummeting. His year, yards will probably go up because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle will run after the catch. But right. uh, I think, I mean, they did what they needed to for this team, but I, does anyone think that having two elite wide receivers can overcome not having a serviceable quarterback? I, I don't think so at all. I, I think we're going to be looking at the Dolphins – going after one of the, you know, potential first round quarterback next year and and moving on from, from Tua. It's it just the skill set. It, it just doesn't match up, right? It, the only thing I will say is they have Mike McDaniel as their head coach now. And they if he is, as fuck. 
They are fast as fuck. And he seemingly, I mean, we don't know him as a play caller yet, but he seemingly will find ways to get the most out of these guys, despite to his limitations. So maybe it works out for them, but like, where do you slot them in the AFC East right now? I mean, I think you still put the bills number one. I'd probably still put the Patriots above the dolphins. Um, just mm-hmm. given Bill Belichick and you know, what we saw from Mac Jones and everything last year, it, it, this is kind of a move that I don't know. It, Unless you're already planning on getting rid of Tua and this is like, hey, this is the the first domino. Like, it seems strange. I love that uh, the two teams that Tyreek Hill was able to pick between based on the trade compensation was the Jets and the Dolphins. <laughs> and they basically said, Ty- Tyreek, you get to pick here. And I, I would pick the Dolphins two most likely because the rest of the roster is more talented, but damn, I'd rather Zach Wilson be chucking fucking Hail Marys to me on thinking that he can make every single play in the world. And yeah. Tyreek Kill's just standing there in the, the outfield trying to, you know, get open enough that wherever the hell it lands, he's underneath it. Um, so that was strange. That was strange to me, but yeah, I, I don't think this moves the move for the moves the needle for Tua. And I don't think, spending top money on a wide receiver is quite frankly, the right way to go about building a roster at this point. I'm not saying that Devonte Adams, Hopkins don't move, don't exactly, you know, aren't game changers, but you can supplement that with other roster players, right? I mean, the, the new England did it for years and years and years and tying up that amount of money. Once you ultimately have to pay a quarterback, it's going to be tight or tough to put all that together. I mean, his cap hit in year five is $50 million. So I don't think that this uh, contract is really going to see the light of day long-term. I think Devonta Adams can safely walk away knowing that he is truly the highest paid wide receiver, but yeah. on paper, technically it's Tyree kill. The question I have for you guys is what does this do for Mahomes? Hurts him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's easy to say. I guess it hurts him. I I think we're gonna see a different Kansas City offense. Um, you know, they'll they'll go out and they'll likely draft a receiver at the bottom of the first round with this pick. They pick well, twenty nine like and MBS two already to replace him. Just um, not sure if you caught on to that. Yeah, so MVS is. I think they overpaid him. But um, he he's definitely a speed threat, so you, you'll get a little bit of that. But I think we'll see Andy Reid with a full offseason to remake you know his offense or tweak his offense, do what needs to be done. I, I think we'll probably see a lot more straight drop back stuff with Pat Mahomes, um, a, a little more progression stuff instead of these like half field, like Tyreek blowing the top off. And if that's not there, you know, you have kelsey running an intermediate route underneath um so it'll be a different look and feel i don't know if it's gonna ultimately affect mahomes's numbers but it's gonna i i disagree with you on that one because i think a lot of mahomes's numbers are being able to count on if i can build enough take enough time in the pocket tyreek hill is not coverable for four seconds and i think that you pointed out the graphic multiple times that 24 percent of Patrick Mahomes' pressures are basically self-made from him either escaping the pocket or running around outside trying mm-hmm. to buy time. And Tyreek Hill was essentially 
somebody that he could always look to first and know that you're going to have separation. And that is yeah. what's missing right now. He's going to have to build that rapport with an MVS with a rookie, which is always a risk because you don't know how quickly that chemistry is going to come. So mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, I really think the chiefs are in peril of not making the playoffs this year. I, I wouldn't disagree just because that division, you take a slight step in that division right now and you're at the bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, we'll see. And, they play, and they play the NFC West this year. So there, it's going to be the Rams, um, the powerhouse Seahawks, the powerhouse uh, Cardinals, and then um, the Jimmy Garoppolo led 49ers. <laughs> Maybe the Baker Mayfield led 49ers. Who knows? Um, going to the Raiders real quick before we move off of this. The Adams move in conjunction with the other moves that they've made. Do they have as good a shot at the top of this division as any of these other teams? Are they strong enough? I don't think they're quite there, but interdivision games are weird. And in a division where everybody's going to be seen as probably a favorite on games that they are playing outside of their division, that means that all, if all they need is one or two division games to fall their way. And They've got, I think, actually, they're playing a second place uh, um, out of conference schedule, right? So that'll yeah. that'll definitely hurt them a little bit. I, I think that they're still on par with the Chiefs, but I can't put them necessarily past the Chiefs at this point. Yeah. Josh, as a Broncos fan, where do you feel the Raiders slot in here? Uh, they actually scare me a lot uh, because you have – now this three-headed monster with Adams, who can play deep, he can run any route you ask him to. Hunter Renfro, you're you're now give, giving him more space, and he doesn't need it. And oh, by the way, Waller. you have Darren Waller, who is a monster at tight end. Like, yeah, that's going to be tough. And I think the Chargers match up probably the best against the Raiders uh, with their edge rushing and with uh, was it J.C. Jackson they got? J.C. Jackson, Derwin yeah. James, like yeah. they're they're scary like they scare me the most and honestly though like the raiders adding adams and the chiefs losing hill the raiders now this could be recency bias but they feel scarier to me because of the offensive weapons that they have and like mm -hmm. they're not bad on defense like jonathan abram's a brickhead but like <laughs> you have a great edge rushing you well, have yeah. like, a solid max, team max crosby and Chandler Jones are going to fuck people up. Dude, like, it, there's a very real chance that like the difference between who makes the AFC West and who doesn't is what quarterback stays healthy. There are some cold-blooded killers on the defensive side of the entire AFC West that yeah. you got to keep your head on a swivel or else like people are going to do damage. Definitely. Well, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll, we'll obviously uh, stay connected to that. I mean, it's, by far, like I want to watch every single AFC West game this year. It's like they created the SEC, right? If you compare the AFC West <laughs> yeah. to what the SEC is to the rest of football, you're like, can we just put those games on and you guys fiddle right. around everywhere else? But yeah, we expand the playoffs to eight, then we need four SEC teams in there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, I do have one question. Okay. Kind of having to do with Miami more than the actual Tyreek thing. If if you're Brian Flores, 
are you just fucking livid seeing how you've been begging this team's been like begging you to tank and now they're going all in moving pieces getting a team together that like seemingly in one offseason went from being a nobody to potential like playoff contenders like are is that something that would catch legs or is that kind of just like whatever the flora stuff is so deep with all the shit going on i i mean i'm sure he he cares like it's natural to be like yeah well why couldn't you fucking do this for me but i think also part of it was flores that didn't like tua and they're still stuck with tua so um i i don't know uh toaster what, what do you think I mean, Flores is on the wrong side of the ball, but I'd I'd rather have Mitchell than Tua. <laughs> Mitchell to Mitchell. All right. I think he's um, actually going by Mitch now. He's he's evolving. He's growing as a quarterback and understanding not to make his own freaking headlines by doing stupid shit. So um, that Mitch maturity, yeah, that maturity, and um, I think he's in ultimately a better situation in for the Steelers. Um, I don't know that his head coaching value will ever quite return. We've seen that they're pretty, the NFL is pretty stingy about uh, not letting the uh, him run the ship necessarily again, if uh, owner, if it doesn't jive with ownership. So um, I wouldn't be mad if I was Flores because I don't think this was happening with Flores. I, I think this is something they, they needed Flores to, tank quite frankly and when he said he wasn't going to then this was their best opportunity to move on and create a contender well yeah, this is also their way of almost saying like you Are know you? Wh- what do you mean like we're we're not trying to tank like we're no. we're out here now i know that was like two years ago that that allegedly happened but it's like they're like no we're making moves yeah yeah anyway all right uh the last sort of uh, maybe not surprising trade here uh maybe for some reasons i guess we'll get into from a salary cap standpoint but matt ryan to the colts so uh, you look at this in conjunction with the carson wentz deal uh to the commanders which i can't believe my brain just said the commanders i was gonna say Uh, good job (laughs) i didn't study for that at all um but the Wentz deal with Washington, it, it it looks pretty good um, from Indy's standpoint. And I, I love the move. I, I think it's, you know, Matt Ryan's not 2017 MVP Matt Ryan, but I think he gives you a lot more than what Carson Wentz uh, gives you. And I, I guess just in general, where do we, do we like this move for Indy given other potential options that were out there? I love it for Indy. Um, I mean, they were a playoff contender with, uh, what, 37-year-old Philip Rivers. And I would argue that Matt Ryan was still playing better than Philip Rivers was at the end of his career. So oh, yeah. um, props to, quite frankly, Chris Ballard and that organization for having your franchise quarterback just quit on you. And then they've done a decent job of replacing them and maintaining contention status for losing uh, – uh, again, an elite quarterback, right? And I don't, there's very few other teams that would be able to recover like that. And I think they understand the importance of the position and that's why they're willing to overpay for it. Because like you said, at the beginning of this, there's nothing you can do to overpay for a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And you know, it's essentially, he's on a two-year deal. 
And I would assume that he will retire um, when that is up, barring some sort of career resurgence. But um, yeah, I, I I think he's he's playing well. He kind of maybe we've forgotten about him a little bit because of how bad Atlanta's been the last couple of years. But Matt's still a good quarterback. If you give him time and you give him weapons, I, I think he'll he'll have some success there. So I'm looking forward to that from the Atlanta side. That dead cap hit. I, I think we can finally put to bed the argument that teams won't will or won't do a deal because of the dead money that they will take on. We've seen it now multiple times over the last two off seasons, teams willing to take the highest dead cap hit ever to uh, move a quarterback. And, and both went to the Colts. The Colts have been responsible for $73 million <laughs> in dead cap money the last two years. Like maybe they're trying yeah. to, that's their strategy is to kill the kill the uh, competition from within, right? Like, yeah, we'll take yeah. them off your hands. They get a manageable co- quarterback salary, and the team that's trading it away is obviously just ki- kissing money, kissing cap yeah. space away. They were going to need to do that regardless. Yeah, it's just, it looks so bad for Atlanta when you consider the fact that, A, they were... Prior to this deal going through, they were looking to restructure Matt Ryan yet again and push even more money to the future. But also, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the fact that they took a tight end, now granted a very good one, but they took a tight end last year with the number four pick instead of a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. That would have been the time. You take one of those guys, whether that's Justin Fields or Mac Jones, and you don't restructure Matt Ryan's deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and maybe they had to last year for in order to be cap compliant. I think we maybe have touched on that. But it, it was just, it's such, it looks like such a bad move. <laughs> like, ugh, tough. Not and then they go outside Marcus Mariota. I was going to say, not taking a quarterback last year is just, I mean, this is tail between their legs. They have to realize they fucked up. The only thing they got in return here is most likely a second round pick, um, but from a playoff contender. So we're talking about a, you know, 50 plus pick here. And um, I am excited for Marks Mariota though. I would like to see him get another shot in the league. The problem is there's no talent around him. There's no money to bring in more talent because of Matt Ryan's dead cap money and Julio Jones's dead cap money. Uh, and J Rob did the math on that one, put 40 plus 15 together, came up with 55. Um, they actually have 62 total million in dead cap that they're paying out. Um, so this may not have been even the best place for Mariota to quite frankly sign because he's not throwing to uh, Calvin Ridley. He's got Pitts and no gauge. I don't even know who their top wide receiver is at this point. I guess it's Cordero Patterson offensive weapon, right? Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll go out and I'm like, we've said deep receiver draft. Maybe they attack it that way. I I think they know they're in for a bit of a rebuild. There's no reason for them to, you know, let's say throw a bunch of money at Marquez Valdez Scantling or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But it's a, yeah, interesting situation. I don't know how many other options Marcus Mariota really had to come in and start. Um, so it, this may have been uh, one of the few. And when you look at the ties, it made sense with Arthur Smith being his coach in Tennessee. And uh, also 
underrated part about all this crazy bullshit that the uh, the Falcons are doing. Um, Ryan Pace is now a member of that staff, and Ryan Pace apparently loved Marcus Mariota. So um, that's just something to consider there. But um, yeah, I, you know, good for Marcus. I think he's one of the few retreads that you're okay giving a shot to, as opposed to um, taking a chance on with a rookie. That doesn't mean Atlanta doesn't draft a rookie. They still could, mm-hmm. um, you know, this doesn't stop them from that, but um, yeah, good for Marcus. Uh, kind of, it, it's funny. These, some of these high draft picks, right. With Winston, Marcus, Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, they're all, signing these uh lesser deals second or third well and on their second or third team right this is Mariota's third team yeah yeah i mean he's made a lot of money to you know not really have to play recently so good for him on that um but yeah we'll see how that that shakes out i i think atlanta it makes sense to somewhat accelerate your rebuild by taking this dead cap hit now, right? And then you're free of it moving forward and you do what you will. Um, I think that's kind of the approach that a lot of these teams have taken recently. Um, you know, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, um, not quarterback related, but the Bears with Khalil Mack. It's like, just rip the Band-Aid and, you know, look to the future. Um, so we'll see how it plays out for them. But Indy, I think, good short-term move for them. And we'll we'll see how that plays out in the AFC South. Actually, there's one point that um, I forgot to make on this. Uh, the Colts didn't take any money, dead money, for trading away Carson Wentz because he'd already eaten all his dead money from bonus from the on Eagles. the previous trade. So actually, the Colts were able to flip Carson Wentz for an improvement in the second round, essentially, yeah. And a couple of extra graphics. Like, it's basically a wash for them to go after Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fucking good for them. They, yeah. they played that very well. I, I will give them credit there. Um, it's not a great long-term solution, but I, I think they're just taking it day by day or year by year at this point uh, with the roster that they have. Um, so my looking at all of these trades holistically, do we see this and you know, even outside of this week, but, you know, the Russell Wilson deal and, um, you know, the Carson Wentz deal to some degree and whatever, do we see all of these trades being a function of this quote unquote copycat league that we always like to hear about because of the Rams recent success and them basically saying, fuck a draft pick, give me a proven player and we'll figure out the cap situation later. Do we think that's what's driving this ultimately, or are there just more forward thinking people in front offices now? You know, what what is the key catalyst here? Inflation? No. Um, I, I do think that there is, I think it's, people are finally willing to say, this isn't our answer and compete for a Super Bowl rather than a playoff. I think it used to be that you needed to be consistently competitive to keep butts in the seats, to make money. And that meant being conservative, right? Now the money rolls in regardless of what you do. So mm-hmm. you might as well go out with a bang, get your two, three years of competition, you know, being a, a legit contender. And then you're still going to make money when you're at the bottom of the league because, I mean, 
people still go to games, people still share revenue, and everything's skyrocketing. The, the owners are making money. So the owner's directive here is not, let's keep it at this baseline so that we're still profitable. It's yeah. we're Take a swing. skyrocketing right now. So let's just get us that shiny trophy. Yeah, I, I saw, so Mike Jarecki, who um, is a Cardinals um, content guy, Jarecki tweeted today, teams without first round picks, there's eight of them. The Bears, <laughs> the Broncos, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Colts, the Raiders, the 49ers, and the Rams. I went down the list. Instead of first round picks, those teams have Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. In the Dolphins case, they have two, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Um, the Colts, Carson Wentz slash uh, Matt Ryan. Um, Devontae Adams, Trey Lance, and Matt Stafford. I'd say that's worked out pretty well for most of those teams. There's a few question marks in there. But, um, I mean, if you have the opportunity, right, like, we talk about draft picks being lottery picks, which is why you need to collect as many of them as possible. I think what's lost in a lot of this philosophy with the Rams is the Rams for a good chunk of time now, while they've been throwing these high picks out to acquire high-end talent, they've traded back and gotten a ton of mid to late round picks that they've used to execute a lot of these trades and fill in the, the periphery of their roster Hopefully these other teams that are taking this approach have noted that as well, because I, I think that's the only way this really works. Otherwise you end up like the bears where you've just been throwing picks away to move up and move up and move up. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're in bad cap situation, blah, blah, blah. But I, I mean, it seems to have worked out for the most part with these teams. So I can't, I can't say it's not the right thing to do. Maybe turning around and giving these guys massive, massive deals could come back to bite these teams, but it's hard to argue with the names that are on that list, right? Well, and the part that's lost on this too is when you're trading for these players, again, the prorated bonus drops off the drops off the compensation. So Matt Ryan doesn't cost you $40 million against the cap. He costs you $24 million against the cap. There's... Yeah. Now you're trading your first round pick. And obviously that wasn't a first round pick, but just for the sake of this argument, right now, that one pick is getting you $24 million Matt Ryan and $16 million extra to sign another proven veteran. And I think yeah. that's where, that's where it starts becoming profitable because, you know, 75% success rate in the first round, 60 in the second round, 50 in the third, 50 in the fourth. And then after that, it drops off, right? You may never even touch the field with your fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. But if you can get two bona fide starters that you know are going to contribute to the team with one draft pick, there you go. That's your lottery right there. You've already right. improved your odds and shown that I can get effective play out of this one draft pick. And it was a 75% success rate before. Yeah, I, I can't can't disagree um it's eventually you have to pay up right like that's mm -hmm. just how it works but you do get or you don't offer. you do a tyree kill trade <laughs> and say once you want to be the highest paid player guess what i get more yeah. draft picks from you right because outside right. of quarterback it's a lot easier a star quarterback a star defensive player like an aaron donald or something like that you're uh, donald you're not going to be able to replace but 
at a receiver, a running back, most of these positions, you're going to be able to hit again if you take enough swings. And I think you can find a Tyreek Hill-like receiver or at least someone that can do similar production in a similar mm-hmm. environment for much cheaper than the mm-hmm. you know, $30 million per year average they're now paying him. Yeah. And if you've done the right things leading up to a trade like that, what you get is something like the Rams, where you you mentioned that the prorated bonus is gone. So you've got that quarterback on a discount for usually a year, right? We've seen Matt Stafford now restructure. That's usually what these guys will agree to. I think we'll see something similar with Russell Wilson after a year in Denver as well. But you give yourself a year where you're like, all right, let's fucking do this, right? Push the chips in and see. And then you have to start making some other decisions. But if you've structured your cap situation correctly, even when that um, extension ends up coming, you can push a little bit more money to the future, you know, move things around to like at least massage it out. Right. And I, I can't say it's the wrong strategy. Yeah. The Mickey Loomis school of cap management, we already discussed, but I think there's one more thing that we left out of this, which is talent recruits talent. And so when now you're not a mediocre team, that's just, you know, on the fringe of the playoffs, but instead you're somebody that's at the, you know, in the conference championship year after year, now people want to come play for you. They're willing to take less money in your free agent destination. Unless you're an asshole and your name is Aaron Rodgers, who famously said Green Bay isn't a huge vacation destination. People are coming to play here with me. And since he said that, Devontae Adams demanded out has been traded. Marquez Valdez-Scantley signed somewhere else and uh, down the roster player. But Equinemius St. Brown signed elsewhere as well. So, um People leaving, not a lot of people coming in right now to Green Bay to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. So I I was happy to tee that one up for you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I figured. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, a lot of interesting stuff happening here. Um, You know, we still have the drafts. I mean, we're still so early in this offseason. I mean, we could see some big trades go down on draft night, really, with all these teams with multiple first round picks or all these teams that don't have first round picks that might try to jump into the first round. There's so much uncertainty with these uh, rookie quarterbacks in this class. I just think uh, this wild offseason probably, I mean, it's got to slow down a little bit, right? There's just fewer players, big names that can move, but um, I think we're going to keep going with it. So anything else um, from you guys before we get out of here? I do have something just for all the listeners in case their brain has been put in a pretzel from this fucking shit show of an offseason. Just a quick breakdown of all the players that have gone everywhere. So just traded Tyreek Hill, Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, Matt Ryan, Baker asked for a trade, Tom Brady unretired, Aaron Rodgers is going for a three-time all-doucher of the year award, Von <laughs> Miller got $120 million as a 33-year-old. And Julio Jones got cut. <laughs> that is absolutely fucking crazy. That's been like a like a month and a half, like a month. I mean, did you mention the Kyler situation in there too? Like, no. there's just so much stuff that you can't even oh. list it all. Like, it's Gregory. The Dallas said Gregory was coming back, and he's like, "No, I'm not." And now he's a Bronco. JD McKissick Bobby did the same thing. Yeah, like, Bobby okay. Wagner's gonna be a fucking Ram. Like. Oh my god, dude. 
what a year what an off season yeah i it's been fun it's been a lot of fun um but yeah anything toaster from you before we're done here you guys left off kirk cousins getting paid again dude's like if i ever want to figure out how to make money i'm talking to kirk cousins because this dude is no shit and all guaranteed again he is the fucking king dude and the vikings are gonna win like five games this year (laughs) (laughs) i love it i fucking love it uh all right well that will do it for us uh and i mean we'll stay on top of this stuff as more crazy stuff happens but um you know the draft's just a few weeks away uh it's exciting time i mean march madness is going on baseball is back the nba is in the stretch run and football continues to dominate the headlines fucking undefeated i love it um and that's why we're here so thanks for listening everybody and we will catch you later